is cooking. Well, last week was my biggest show of the year and with record listenership, so I want to thank all of those who gave it a listen. And in case you missed it, it's up on Podbean and Spotify under the Royal Ramble. It's the same logo as in a Facebook group, so it should be easy to find. Unfortunately, it's not available on iTunes yet, but I'm hoping to have that this year, and I did post the Spotify link up in the group, so enjoy. Today is my first show of the year, and it should be a good one as well as I look back at the week that was in pro wrestling. You know, I also try to cover MMA on this show, but it really hasn't been easy. It seems that the UFC is lacking in star power these days, and until recently, I was actually planning to cover the event in Toronto in a couple of weeks and and do a live report, but damn, when did they start jacking up the prices at Scotia? Last I checked, there were about 400 buckaroonies for a single ticket, and that's not even near the cage, which is ridiculous. I only hope that Money in the Bank tickets are not around the same for that venue. I just can't justify spending upwards of $200 on a single event. I'm assuming these prices are all COVID-related, but hopefully things improve for the better this year. So now that 2023 is behind us, it seems that most companies have started getting back to business. Well, except for Impact, of course, or shall I call it TNA now. I'm not sure what's going on with them, as they have had their third clip show episode in a row this past week, and it seems they haven't had a live episode since Bound for Glory. I don't know if they're just waiting for the official rebranding, but they do have a pay-per-view next weekend. I'd at least expect some kind of promos or angles or something to set that up. Most people might not even know what's on the card. I hope they have all their ducks in a row, and I'm expecting things to be back to normal in a couple of weeks, as they haven't had a great start to the year thus far, in my opinion. New Japan did have a great start to the year, as they often do with their Wrestle Kingdom event, which is apparently only one night this year, unless I missed it. But it was a big one, and I did catch most of it, other than the one match between Naito and Sonata. I can't say I was ever a fan of Sonata, so I didn't care enough about that match to go back and find it, but the rest of the show was pretty good. I like TJP's new character and overall look. I think this is something he's been needing since his last WWE run. He's always had the talent, but never really focused on developing much of a personality or character, so hopefully this works out for him. One match that I was highly impressed by was the encounter between Shingo Takagi and Tama Tonga. Going into the show, it was probably the one that I was least looking forward to, but it ended up being a very pleasant surprise. Saber and Tanahashi had a pretty good match as well, though I found it a little too short, and I felt that they raced to the finish until one of my listeners from RFPW, Sean Burkhead, pointed out that the TV title matches only have a 15-minute time limit. However, given the time limit, I didn't feel that there was any sense of urgency in this one. I mean, it was still good, but it just felt like a regular-paced match between the two. A lot of people were also raving about the main event rematch between Danielson and Okada. I will never not enjoy a Brian Danielson match, and I did enjoy this one, but I wouldn't go as far as most calling it a match of the year candidate. Firstly, I think it's way too premature to do that, and secondly, I didn't think it was that great. I did like the story being told with Okada's arm and Danielson's eye as a throwback to the previous match last year, but I didn't feel like they ever crossed that line between good and great, at least not for me. I always found Okada to be overrated, if I'm being honest. The highlight of his career was definitely the trilogy of matches with Kenny, and I didn't think this one lived up to that expectation. 
I actually enjoyed the three-way U.S. title match a little more. I thought the pacing was great and each guy felt involved throughout the match and the right guy went over in David Finley. I also kind of liked the post-match brawl between Finley and Nick Nemeth, the former Dolph Ziggler who was sitting at ringside with his brother Ryan. Japan is an interesting choice for Nemeth, but hopefully it allows him an opportunity to reinvent himself so when the time comes he is able to come back to WWE as a huge star, similar to McIntyre. WWE also had a really big week and did a good job of promoting three big shows. They started with Raw and called it Day One. Becky Lynch and Nia Jax finally got to have their one-on-one match that had been building for about five years, and while I was a little surprised by the outcome, I think the match was actually really good, and probably Nia's best to date. Donnie Da Silva made a good point to me that not only did Nia need this win more, which I agreed with, but also that if Becky won, the story would have been over, and that makes total sense. This is a feud that definitely has more legs to it. I just thought if the end goal is Becky versus Rhea and Mania, then Becky needs to start getting some big wins. She did cut an interesting backstage promo about how she can only go up from here, so I'm thinking she either wins the Rumble or at least gets to eliminate Nia, and then gets her win back at the Elimination Chamber event next month. Or she wins an Elimination Chamber match to get Rhea and Mania, and assuming she wins the title there, she has this built-in story with Nia for down the road. And Nia also has unfinished business with Rhea stemming from the five-way match at Crown Jewel, where she was the only one not involved in the outcome of that match. So there are multiple stories to tell here between these three women. The main event of that show, however, I wasn't as impressed with. I mean, the match between Seth Rollins and Drew McIntyre was good, but I thought there were way too many people involved in the finish, and the teased Money in the Bank cash-in seemed a little too cliché for me. Also, I wonder where Drew McIntyre goes from here now after two pretty clean losses to Seth. The highlight of the show is probably what most wrestling fans have been talking about all week, and that is the somewhat unadvertised return of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I really liked this segment, and I liked the whole bait-and-switch with Jinder Mahal as well. In fact, I thought this was the best use of Jinder in years, so hopefully they do more with him moving forward, but the best part of the angle was the subtle tease of Rock versus Roman at WrestleMania. I'm still hearing rumors of that match happening at the Elimination Chamber, which I am very much against. This is the biggest match you are ever going to get, and to give it away on a transitional show is, in my opinion, going to make whatever they have planned for WrestleMania seem like a Raw main event. Sorry, Cody. I think they should give Cody an opportunity to finish his story at the Chamber while Dwayne gets the Mania match. Or they have Roman wrestle twice at WrestleMania, where he beats Dwayne on night one and then loses the title to Cody on night two. But in all honesty, I can't see Roman being this close to beating so many championship records this year without actually doing it. I think he'll not only retain at Mania, but probably go another year with the belt. I think the person who eventually beats him should not be a transitional champion, but rather the guy who is seen as the leader of a new generation. Whoever that is at this point is anyone's guess. NXT also had a pretty decent episode this week after several weeks of flops. It was their annual New Year's Evil show, but I was a little surprised that the advertised main event between Ilya Dragunov and Trick Williams was written off the show due to what appears to be a legitimate injury to Dragunov. I have no confirmation on that, but I don't think they would just scrap a promoted title match just to advance a storyline. I'm assuming the eventual match will take place at the next pay-per-view in February, and that will likely be the show that we finally get the turn of Carmelo Hayes to set up Hayes vs. Trick at Stand and Deliver. I can't explain his popularity, but I can't deny that Trick Williams is over. 
So I think now is a great time for the double cross. I wasn't sold on him at first, but he's kind of grown on me. And then finishing the week was SmackDown with the New Year's Revolution show. We got the finals of the U.S. number one contenders tournament where Kevin Owens defeated Santos Escobar to earn a shot at Logan Paul at the Royal Rumble. I wasn't too impressed by the match, but the post-match stuff with KO and Logan was pretty good, and Logan did a great job of selling. We also got the return of AOP along with Paul Ellering. It's interesting to see them back in the fold and aligned with Karrion Cross, but I wonder what the motivation was for attacking Lashley and the Street Profits. And I'm equally confused because for the longest time I thought Lashley and the Profits were heels, but not a bad addition to the tag division. And then the main event was supposed to determine a number one contender for the WWE Universal title at the Royal Rumble between AJ Styles, LA Knight, and Randy Orton. The match was good other than the one botched spot by Knight, and then Roman and the Bloodline came out to ruin it. So the announcement was made that it will now be a fatal four-way match at the Rumble, with Roman defending against all three guys. I think this is a good thing, as it kind of places Roman at the numbers disadvantage for the first time, but I'm still expecting some kind of bloodline interference. Some people are saying this will be a good opportunity to take the belt off of Roman, as he doesn't have to be pinned, which I couldn't disagree with more. There is no way Roman is not being pinned or submitted to end his title reign, and I highly doubt they would take the belt off of him this close to Mania, but that kind of removes any bit of interest in this match. AEW also had kind of a big week. They concluded the Continental Classic Tournament at last week's pay-per-view with Eddie Kingston finally winning the big one, well, sort of. They also had Samoa Joe end the year as the new AEW World Champion and then finally revealed the devil in Adam Cole. I guess that is the outcome that made the most logical sense, but it still made MJF look like a total idiot in my opinion, and the angle really benefited no one. The explanation, however, kind of made sense, and I give them credit for at least trying to tie everything together. Adam Cole is also a much better heel than a babyface, so I'm kind of looking forward to his run. On the women's side, we saw the in-ring debut of Mariah May this week, which I found less than impressive. I still don't see what the big deal is about her. She just seems like another random blonde that are apparently coming off an assembly line, and I see nothing special in her thus far. She's basically a female Daniel Garcia right now. And if that wasn't enough, her debut is then completely overshadowed by the debut of former Impact Knockout Deanna Perrazzo. Tony Khan really needs to learn how to debut new talent. Sure, I know who Deanna is because I watch Impact, but most of the AEW audience was probably very confused by this. He needs to do a better job of educating people, instead of just assuming that your audience will know everyone. He even made fun of it himself a while back that nobody watches Impact. But hopefully Deanna will add something to the women's division and won't end up just being another Taya where she gets a title shot, loses, and then disappears on Rampage. Overall, it was a pretty great start to the year, and I think things will only get better in the coming weeks, especially as we head into WrestleMania season. I'm out of here for now, but I'll be back next week to finally talk about TNA again. Until then, I leave you with an ABC up.